everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello. Are we on? All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome in. All right. It's on now. You're listening to The Drive. This is the Tuesday edition of the show after a must-listen edition of, of, of the show yesterday. A real hot show we had, as you can imagine, following the Auburn-Penn State game on Saturday. I'm Dan Peck. Thanks for tuning in. Drew is at the controls. Bill Cameron still on the mend, but hopefully uh, things are progressing over at uh, Cameron Cameron Manor in the uh, in, in the home studio. As as we welcome uh, Bill Cameron uh, to the show uh, digitally, how you doing, Bill? I'm uh, doing better. I mean, I'm not as sore. Um, still not not able to you know like hop up and down the stairs or anything, but uh, I'm getting closer. I'm looking forward to tomorrow where I can get the bandages off. And even more than that, where I can get in the shower. Can we? Um, yeah. As, well, especially now. Like, let's. Uh, yeah. Do, would you like to tell people what happened or what what you had done? You know, it's not really yeah, my place well, to I mean, spill the beans sure, about I your. Mean, um, um, it's a HIPAA of, HIPAA violation, know? right? For me to talk about it, but I think you can yeah, disclose. You no, can no, disclose no. what happened. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've I've had a problem. My knee's been bothering me for a while. It turns out I, I had a. Uh, um, a significant tear of the medial meniscus. So it's an arthroscopic procedure. So uh, apparently everything went well. I don't remember. I mean, I remember it's like, hey, we're going to give you a little relaxing medication. Next thing I know, I'm awake in the, uh, uh, you know, in post-op. And, and uh, they, they told my wife everything, everything appeared to go well. So um, it, it does feel better right now. So... Hopefully, hopefully everything's uh, back. I mean, last time I'd, I'd had my other knee scoped, uh, had a meniscus, small, a slight meniscus tear in the other knee uh, about 10 years ago and did a ball game that night. This one was a little more, uh, a little worse and I'm a little older. So, but uh, hopefully everything goes as well and I'll be back uh on track, hopefully Thursday. Yeah, you you were laboring on that thing for for a little while, Bill. It was um, I mean, because there there was some debate about whether it was a sprain or something, and it just right, it did, it wasn't getting better, which is no. which is which is usually evidence that it's not it's not just you didn't just twist something or you didn't just sprain something. It was probably something that needed to uh you know you know they needed to check under the hood. And I'm glad yeah I'm glad you're you're uh, you're, you're feeling better, and I'm sure that after a few days and weeks, uh, you will feel much better. Uh, than you did before, and uh, and yeah, shout out the uh, the doctors uh, taking care of of Bill uh, yesterday. Let's get the uh, the housekeeping 
out of the way. Hour number one of the drive brought to you by Kia of Auburn and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. They sponsor the hotline. 334-321-1390, the number to dial. You can text the show, 334-564-1840, the drive text box, presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And, you know, still willing to, uh, uh, to, to hear your opinions, of course, about Saturday's game, uh, how you're feeling short-term, how you're feeling long-term uh, about this program. I know it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's tough to find uh, re- really, really positive things at the moment coming out of that game, which I think makes Saturday so interesting because it's, a, it's an opportunity to bounce back or it's an opportunity to show that Penn State wasn't a blip on the radar and, and there might be real problems on the horizon for the team uh, for, for the rest of the season. And that's sort of, I, I don't know, where, where are you on, before we you know talk some more about Saturday's game, where, where are you on, on, on the game against Missouri, Bill? Uh, I'm sort of Missouri on it right now. I mean, Auburn's Ironically got to enough, more. Yeah. Auburn's got to show more than they have. I mean, Auburn plays uh, as poor on both sides of the ball as they did this past Saturday. Um, then, then there's a chance they lose. If Auburn loses, I don't see uh, any way of salvaging this season. Right, and and the execution needs to improve clearly. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I, I think something we we mentioned yesterday, and we probably should go into a little bit more detail about this. And I would wonder if one of the uh, if if one of the stat guys uh, could could find out if there's some evidence uh, behind something that certainly seems uh, you know anecdotally uh, to be the case thus far, Bill. That the most effective and injuries could change this too. But the most effective Auburn offense we've seen has usually been in the shotgun, and it's usually been with a lot of receivers on the field, which would make sense because this is not a team built to uh, show run and then run up the middle against good teams. I think teams will be able to you know, win the matchups if Auburn's uh, tipping their hand. But if you use a little bit of misdirection, if you show pass with sort of an air raid, uh, you know, an air raid esque offense, and you run off of that, you know, maybe you can te- keep teams guessing. And we've seen Auburn have some success in the two minute trying something like that. And you would think it would fit the skill set of the receivers, the offensive line, TJ Finley, and and the running backs available. Am I making sense, Bill? I I, I hate to tell co- head coaches and offensive coordinators how to do their job, and and believe me, we, I'm I'm not qualified to do so, but. In, in all the talk of the execution needs to improve, you know, we hinted at the idea that there could be questions about the strategy as well. And I just wonder if this team's ever, at least this season, going to be able to be a, let's put two tight ends and a fullback on the field and, and run up the middle and impose our will against other SEC West opponents kinds of teams. You, you, might, you might need to, to, to spread things out a little bit to have uh, the kind of success that you want to have. Well, I think in Auburn's situation, they're going to have to do things where the other team doesn't know, you know, doesn't have a really good idea what's coming on every play. And it seems like that's what it's gotten to. Didn't seem as much that way in the opener against Mercer. But uh, it seems like it's it's gotten a little more predictable. We haven't seen, you know, we, we didn't see some of the motion. We talked about it last week. Oh, I thought we'd see more motion against Penn State than we than we did Um since game one, but we haven't. I don't know what's happened there. Maybe they've decided they just don't do that well. But Auburn had better find some things they can do, but not have the defense, the defense expecting it. And then they better tighten things up defensively, too. I mean, that's something uh, I think the focus continually is on the offense. But 
I think everyone expected the defense to be able to uh, more than hold its own while the offense was trying to get things going early on. And lately, that hasn't been the case. Right. You, you don't go into the fourth quarter down 31 to six just because of the offense. Like, yes, the offense played a role in, in Auburn putting the defense in tough position. But at the same time, the defense had opportunities to get themselves off the field. Right, Bill? And, and instead, uh, the drive would continue or the drive would end in, in Penn State points. So I think you're absolutely right. The offense is under a little bit more scrutiny as far as what could change, uh, I suppose, because we might see a different quarterback or we might see a new approach or whatever. I mean, I, I think something that is reminiscent of what we would talk about during the Malzahn era is the word, the word miscast comes to mind where is is this offense miscast as a and I know they sort of abandoned it on Saturday uh, if you look at the at the way the running backs were utilized it was what 24 was it 24 called passes to 10 called runs in the first half against Penn State right. I, I think it's it's something along those lines uh, the, and, the, and the distribution that, and, and and what's surprising about that is I mean it was still a tight game yes. it wasn't like Auburn was three scores down and having to throw no I mean Brian Harson when asked about the distribution of, of run versus pass you know he, he sort of cited the scoreboard I think it was either either Saturday night or Monday uh, in talking to the media uh, but no it, you're right it was a, a 14 to six game at the half it was a one score game for the entirety of the first half, and yet Auburn went to a a really pass-heavy. And when I say spread things out, I'm not necessarily saying go pass the ball on 75% of the plays, right? It, it's it's more, I mean, you know, you still want Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter to be greatly involved. You just wonder if you can do it with, you know, with, with formations that seem to suggest you're going to run the ball or, or by tipping your hand a little bit, which is, I don't know, a little reminiscent of, of teams that were under fire from, uh, from Gus Malzon. And I just, and, and that's the other thing, you know, on, on the offensive line front, we had the, we had the caller yesterday. I think it was Marcus. We had someone suggest, uh, the, uh, you know, the, it takes three, four, maybe even five years to evaluate you know, how a head coach is really doing. And to me, you know, after one year, right, Bill, you, you get to, I mean, you, you've got what you inherited from the previous administration, and you've got a year to see what can stay and what needs serious work and, and what you have to replace following the season in, in the transfer portal and the NFL draft and graduation. But after that year, I mean, you, you can't stay with a pat hand and then, and then pass the buck to somebody else as to why it's not working. There were hundreds, literally hundreds of offensive linemen who switched teams in the transfer portal this offseason. None of them were good enough to start at any position for Auburn on Saturday compared to what we saw against Penn State. Like that, And that isn't an execution issue. That's an issue of roster management. That's an issue of talent acquisition. And that's 95% of the job for Brian Harson. And if, I mean, it's, it's not, last year you could say the talent is miscast for what Brian Harson wants to do. But then you go into the offseason and you find the right cast. You find the players that can do what you want to do, or you adjust it to fit the players you've got. And it doesn't seem like Auburn's done either of those things, or at least they didn't do it on Saturday, which was part of the reason why uh, the offense was at least not holding up their end of the bargain. The defense, because of the number, the, the amount of talent you bring back, it, it's tougher to explain. But, but what do you say to that offensively, Bill? No, you're right. I mean, Auburn opted to uh, and, and um, really did, pursued... I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, um, impressed upon players to return. 
And that looked to be a positive sign. There's no question that the players on this team bought into Brian Harson, but are they the players is at every position? Is it the best thing that they could have done? That sounds sort of cold, but um, you know, if, when when things don't work, you've got to look at it. Got to look at it more closely. Or do you bring in players to compete? I mean, they did that at other positions, right? But they, well, I don't but, know that they could. That that's something that's a little different. It's e- that's easier said than done, right? You have that many seniors returning. Um, you know, Auburn, Auburn pursued, and I think pursued pretty heavily mm. a couple of guys. We mentioned Hunter Norzad some last week who's still not getting playing time at, at Penn State. There was the offensive uh, lineman from Louisiana, too, right? They right. went to Florida. Osiris Torrance was somebody that Auburn know, was with, after. With yes. Billy Napier. But those guys thought they, you know, there would be less numbers facing them as far as competition at the other schools. So I can understand uh, it, it's not easy if you're if you look loaded at a spot, even if it hasn't been terribly productive. Just the sheer numbers would back away some prospects, right? But for for all the talk of execution, there there are aspects of the approach that I think deserve second guessing. You know, in in hindsight, and one of them would be, you know, could was there a was there a a drastic need? You know, was there was there an urgent? Was it intrinsically important for Auburn? to go improve the level of talent on the offensive line via the transfer portal this offseason. And by not right doing now, it, it appears, yes. by not doing it, did Brian Harson doom himself to to a, a season where they, they can't live up to expectations? That, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see. But that's, I mean, it's, and, that's not, and that's not about the guys on the, on the field needing to play better. That, that's, a, that's a question above their pay grade, uh, so to say. Let's, uh, let's get to Ed, because I don't want to make Ed hold on through the break. 334-321-1390, the number to dial. Bill in the home studio, uh, joining us digitally. Dan Peck uh, here in the studio. Drew at the controls. Love to hear from you. We're going to talk to Barrett Salee at 430. We're going to talk to uh, Jake Crane at 530. But in the meantime, uh, taking your calls. And let's get to Ed, who's on the line. How you doing, Ed? I'm doing good. I want to talk to Bill. Bill, you told me again this is about the fifth year now that you told me last week that offensive line was going to be. And now, again, Bill, you're making excuses. So what's happened to Auburn is while their offensive line has sucked for the last five years, they have been unable to recruit an offensive lineman because they were scared to come play against those guys. No, that's not 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 exactly, Ed. That's what I, you just I, I'm not I'm not saying this is. Uh, I thought the offensive line would be better. Obviously, I I have no idea. I, I know there were some other people that thought it would be better. They have not played well, but but keep by bringing back all those players. I'm saying any player who's being recruited by schools all across the country, they're going to take a look at the depth charts, and if they see 15 players on one roster and 10 on another, they're more likely to lean toward the one that has 10. Hey, I'm not giving anybody excuses. The offensive line, there's been there's been plenty of time to upgrade the offensive line, and either they haven't wanted to. I mean, with the situation Auburn had last year, why didn't you go out and sign more than a couple of offensive linemen? That's the same thing that Gus Malzahn did for a couple of years. So you're right about that, Ed. Hey, can I, can I talk again real quick? Absolutely, Ed. You're back on. Okay. Everything you just said is a load. But the, the last several years, Bill, you and I have talked about, and I have told you Auburn has to recruit, and you have taken up for them every year. And, and, and to make excuses now that, oh, oh they got all this, and they got, they've got guys there 
that should should be working on their PhDs. They've got a seventh-year guy. They've got a six-year guy, five-year guy. How can you take up? And, and when you say, well, and you just said it, Bill, would you give them a few years? If it was as, as simple as giving somebody a few years, the, the pros would be full of big, nice, good offensive linemen. It's not that simple. You've got to have somebody with talent. And and you keep taking up. I mean, you're saying that everybody wants. Why, did, why didn't nobody come and pluck our offensive line talent, you know, through the portal? Bill, hey, you're just Mann so full of Kentucky, Ed. Deshaun no, Manning left and is starting it. Hey, Ed, I'm not arguing with you. Auburn has not done a good job. Uh, they they did not bring in more players. They're not playing well. I don't know what what do you what do you say? I'm taking up for anybody. I'm not. Here's, here's they're, my, they're right now. They're a sieve offensively. Here's my question, Bill, and it, and it's not because I'm not. Uh, I, I agree with you for, for the most part, although at the same time, Ed has been blowing. Ed, Ed has, to his credit, not to take Ed's side in this at all, but, no. but, but, but to Ed's credit, he has been, like, like some other callers we have, I mean, they, they've, been, uh, they, they've been pulling the, the fire alarm on offensive line recruiting for years, right? And saying this is a problem and eventually you're going to have to pay the piper and, and maybe that's you know, being paid right now. Even the question of bringing back uh, veteran seniors, Right, who have an extra year of eligibility because of COVID. Even that's technically a coach's decision, right? And I'm not saying Auburn, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not advocating for the most ruthless of of options here. But even that, I mean, you could you could signal to a guy you maybe want to go in a different direction. I mean, that happens in college football if you think you need to upgrade the position, you know, via the portal or whatever. So again, not not to you know, again, this is this is why I'm saying when when you hear uh, when when you hear it, it's always pointed to the execution on the field. Right, no, that you know, it's going to work if these guys just play better. It's not that simple, right? And 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 some of it, some of it does even in year two fall on the feet of Brian Harson and his coordinators, uh, Eric Esau and, and Jeff Schmetting. Appreciate the phone call, Ed. Good, good stuff. Let's uh, let's take our, our our first break, and then we will uh, we will be back with uh, with more. I don't think everything Bill said was a load. Just I want to say categorically, I'm I'm not I'm. Not, not ready to go that far. I believe that is what Ed, what Ed said. All right, we'll be back. We're going to talk with Barrett at the bottom of, of hour number one, and we're going to talk with Jake Crane at the bottom of hour number two. Love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. They don't all have to be uh, that contentious, uh, all of the calls. You know, you can ask, uh, you can just ask a question if you want, or, you know, you can, you can settle a score with one of us if that's, if, if that's what you want to do. We'll be back. Uh, stay tuned. You're listening to The Drive. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Hour number one of the... Tuesday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Drew at the controls. Bill Cameron with us in spirit, but also on, on the on the Skype uh, hotline. That made it sound that made it sound like you you weren't with us, Bill. But no, Bill Bill Cameron still very much uh, uh here. You know, Bill, it it occurs to me and, and it's um with good reason that we didn't talk about any other game from Saturday. Yesterday it was all Auburn Penn State like I, I don't know if I don't know if another school other other than we were talking about you know coaching Yo, candidates co- and things I don't know if any other school got mentioned 
or, or really really talked about. And, and you know, I can understand why some Auburn fans didn't really want to follow much college football following the game on Saturday after a, a sort of a, de- a dejecting uh, loss uh, to uh, to Penn State. But uh, no, I mean w- there was there was LSU Mississippi State, which was getting started as soon yes, as, as Auburn as soon as Auburn finished up, and and that is an LSU team that will be in Jordan Hare Stadium in under two weeks. We now know that's going to be a night game. Uh, the, uh, the 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 is it October first? I believe the uh, the, yeah, the first six year. o'clock October first six o'clock on October first LSU and Auburn and and conceivably uh, th- those could be two teams with just one loss each on the uh, on the season uh, with LSU having lost the opener to Florida State but they came back one in uh, uh, in, uh, in 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 start or at home against uh, Mississippi State and then. Uh, the, uh, the for for Auburn, if you can bounce back and beat Missouri this Saturday, suddenly that LSU game feels like a real opportunity uh, to get you know get some of the momentum you had uh, going into uh, Penn State and some of the confidence you had going into that one. Of course, it's uh, it's it's a tall task uh, with uh, with Missouri on Saturday. But uh, yeah, did you uh, did you happen to see uh, much of of LSU and Mississippi State, Bill? Yeah, impressive game. I thought from LSU and hey, Ed was talking about offensive line and and. Yeah, I guess I thought the offensive line would be better. I think a lot of people thought the offensive line would be better this year, but I I don't think if Ed listened yesterday, I don't think he heard a whole heard me defending anything about uh, either Auburn offensive either line at Auburn yesterday. But speaking of the offensive line, LSU starting two true freshman tackles and really did a good job against that Mississippi State defense. LSU's got a chance to get a lot better uh, because they struggled early on. I mean, in the Florida State game, their offensive line didn't look very good. They were much better after going to a couple of freshmen there at tackle. I was impressed with what I saw from LSU Saturday night. And not to go not to go broken record here, Bill, but doesn't it seem like LSU maybe had a breakthrough in the Florida State game that they needed they to needed. go hurry yeah. up and stop trying to expect the offensive line to hold blocks for a long time and, and instead sort of let their quarterback play make and, and get the ball to the uh, you know the, the, to their to their skill position players really quickly instead of you know being sort of a power offense and we've seen since then uh, you know there, there's been you've seen some really impressive plays from Jaden Daniels and it's LSU right the, the, if they can get the ball to the skill position players uh, they could they could be in a position to uh, to pick up big chunks of yardage and yeah that that's an LSU team I agree uh, it could be uh, much better uh, by the end of the season than they were in that Florida State game and could be much better really quickly uh, than they were in that Florida State game three three four three two one thirteen ninety the number to dial let's get to Keith who's on the line before our bottom of the hour break what's up Keith hey yeah um. I, you know, I feel as bad as anybody does about it, but uh, I don't. You know, that was about the uh, best second half of football that Penn State played. I mean, I don't know what they did at halftime. Uh, they if they had something in their Gatorade or a Newt Rockney speech or whatever, but uh, you know, it was an eight point game at halftime, and then when they came out in the second half, um, every block worked, and they were doing that delayed handoff and. Uh, Singleton was, uh, you know, just waiting to get it, waiting for that hole to open. And then when he did, he sprinted and most time nobody ever touched him. Um, and, you know, uh, they, whatever they were doing on defense, it was really confusing us. Of, you know, they'd, they'd line up five or six and sometimes rush three or sometimes rush five or six. I mean, they were doing a lot of Kirby Smart stuff. And, uh, but, I, you know, the guys that got beat, those same linemen, yeah, I mean, they might not be top tier 
lineman, but uh, I had never seen them get beat quite that bad. That that second half was just terrible. Um, yeah, yeah, I think well, one of the things that we talked about a little ahead. bit yesterday, Keith, uh, has been a problem. And I was looking for the numbers while you were talking. Somebody had posted this, um, you know, over the last – Auburn's lost its last five power, power five games, and they have been dominated in the second half. That that's one thing that Auburn couldn't do last year was finish ball games, and obviously the season finish wasn't strong, and and it looks to be a problem again. I mean, you were thinking maybe in the Mercer game, well, it was a big lead, you had the weather delay, got outscored in the fourth quarter, but I mean, the second halves have been just awful for Auburn. Um, the other teams seem to be able to make adjustments and get better. Auburn has not been able to do that. You know, my, my theory last year about that was that la- a lack of depth defensively, especially with an injury or two. You know, after Owen Papo got hurt, you really just played the two linebackers all season long with little exception. Even in the secondary, you know, it seemed like it was the same the same four or five guys were on the field for, for the vast majority of snaps, and that started to add up at the end of games and at the end of a season. I don't know if that was the problem on Saturday because you had some some difficult defensive plays very early in the second half. You wouldn't think that was when fatigue would start to set in, but I don't know, maybe. I mean, that that that's it's it's whatever it is, it needs to get fixed. Uh, Keith, uh, we, we appreciate the phone call. Uh, good stuff. We're going to have uh, Barrett Salee from CBS Sports and Sirius XM when we come back. Don't go anywhere. It's Dan and Bill on the drive. I'm in the studio. Bill is joining us digitally. We will be right back. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email us at the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in our number one of the Tuesday Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Bill. Joining us via Skype as he recovers from uh, a uh, little uh, little procedure he had earlier this week. Hopefully, back in the studio by, by the end of the week. We'll see. I mean, take your time, Bill. You've earned it. So uh, you know, it, it, take, take as long take as, as long. I say. Take as long as you'd like. It's not I'm my doing call. The show. What are you yeah, talking about? That's what I mean. No, I mean to get back in the studio. Like take oh, take your time. Yeah. Take your time. You know, as long as you want before you before you return to the studio. I, I have no decision. You know, I have no say over that i say take your time but i do think at some point they would expect you uh, back in the studio but take as long as you want really and That's the um, sos fan right <laughs> yeah, time, at, at, right. There, yeah there you go and uh and we and we are pleased to welcome in uh, one of our favorites from cbs sports and sirius xm satellite radio the uh the uh one of our one of our absolute favorites to talk to uh barrett Salee. it's a pleasure how you doing barrett i'm great what's going on guys N- not a whole lot. It was a uh, it was a busy Saturday uh, here in not a uh, here, whole lot here, here, here in Auburn. <laughs> I didn't want to bombard him. I didn't want to bombard him to get started, Bill. You know we're we're uh, we're, we're able to, uh, to to keep things going. There's been a lot to talk about, Barrett, over the last few days following the Auburn Penn State game. I'd like to get your read on what happened Saturday and uh, where Auburn goes from here. 
Yeah, you know, I think what what happened Saturday is essentially what the questions were around Auburn going into the the season, right? You know, you didn't know what you were going to get from the offensive line and quarterback position. You know, how does how does that affect it? And clearly, Auburn's offensive line struggled, and that in turn made what is an average quarterback situation below average. And I don't think there's anything really else to it. The um, the offense can't put drives together. You know, you have to turn, you know, you have to get it, uh, advantageous field position. Uh, and I'm talking like on, on the other side of the 50, if you have a chance of getting seven consistently. So I think that's just all there is to it. The, uh, the quarterback situation is rough. Obviously the wide receiver situation, not necessarily much better. And the offensive line can't pass block. So, uh, generally speaking, that makes for a pretty miserable offense, which is kind of what we've seen through three games. Yeah, but then on the other side, the defense the defense has been really a disappointment up to this point, Barrett. I mean, they are uh, they're not able to get any pressure. They're not able to stop the run, and that's something that we thought this team would at least be able to rely on while they tried to find some offense. Yeah, you know, I think it was you know we, the defensive front maybe the lack of depth that you know took place because of the mass exodus over the off season. Maybe that's playing into it a little bit as well, uh, because they did seem to, to start off okay against Penn State. But yeah, you know, I think defensively, you know, the the personnel dis, the disadvantage that compared to the rest of the conference is pretty obvious. You know, Auburn does not have that one dude that can just absolutely own the defensive line. Derek Hall's good, but he's not that guy. Uh, and then behind, uh, aside from him, there's nobody that really scares you. So. It's just, I think it's a direct reflection of the, the absence of recruiting and the absence of getting quality players in the transfer portal. You know, it's just, it's just that simple. Auburn, from a personnel standpoint, is not anywhere close to where it needs to be. And I think that showed against Penn State because, you know, Auburn's supposed to have guys that can run with Nick Singleton. They're supposed to have, you know, a defensive lineman that can rattle Sean Clifford. And it's just they don't exist on that roster right now. Barrett, I wonder if I'm being unreasonable. Earlier in the show, I said in the in the first year of a new regime, when a coach takes over at a big time college football program, you, you can you can blame some of the roster shortcomings on the previous administration. But if if you're if you're not seeing progress in year two, some of that's on the coach not going out and finding someone anywhere that that can that they can help. I mean, I was saying hundreds of. Hundreds of offensive linemen switched schools in the transfer portal this offseason. And I'm not saying all, you know, the, the, all hundred of them could have, could have started at Auburn, but it does seem like that's at the feet of a head coach if you enter year two now with roster shortcomings because uh, th- there are avenues to address, uh, to, to address these sorts of things. You know, someone like Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly, are, are they going to be citing the previous administration? I mean, not, not that Brian Harson is citing the previous administration, but it does seem like he's citing execution, which, you know, speaks to, you know, th- th- there are problems that, that you can lay at, at the feet of Brian Harson and not the players on the field. Well, there's no doubt. And, you know, I think prior to the whole transfer portal expansion, um, you know, it, the, the idea was, okay, a coach at least needs three seasons to, to really work itself out. And that has accelerated the process. The transfer portal has accelerated the process because, you know, look at Lincoln Riley. He completely revamped that offense uh, in one offseason through the transfer portal. Lane Kiffin completely revitalized his his running back position through the transfer portal. So, yeah, if uh, 
now year two is probably going to be the measuring stick for first-year coaches. Year one, most most of the time you get a mulligan. Maybe not all the time, but most of the time. But if you don't address that, that situation, if you don't address the shortcomings uh, and, and have a, uh, an unsuccessful year two, then that is more than enough time in today's era considering, you know, kind of how uh, the landscape of college football and the, uh, the freedom players have has shifted. Were you surprised by the decision uh, to go with Robbie Ashford for most of the second half of that game and not give Zach Calzada a drive? Yeah, I was, you know, because Ashford obviously was struggling. And if you're, you're uncertain about him as the starting quarterback when Finley's healthy, then why would you be sure of him when he's struggling in an actual game situation? So, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think Zach Calzada can go win you a national championship or an SEC championship, but could he win you a couple games? Yeah, he's shown he can do that. So, um, yeah, I think, look, there, there's just no perfect solution to it. And I think that, I think Harson knows that, which is why you've seen a, a little bit of a dose of Ashford, you know, all through the, the first three games, even when, you know, things weren't, you know, in dire straits. But I would, I was surprised that, that there was not a drive or two, especially when it was garbage time to, to at least see what Zach could do. Talking with Barrett Salee no, from, that's oh, go ahead, Bill, please. No, I, I was going to say that's something that, that has been a little surprising to me, not just at the quarterback spot. It doesn't seem like, you know, we didn't see much uh, substituting last year. And once again, this year, at certain spots there is, but at some others, it's the same players. And you wonder, you know, if, if that may have a factor in Auburn's fading, it seems, in the fourth quarter in the second half. I, I don't think there's any doubt that it's part of the problem uh, because you have to have championship caliber depth. You can't rely on the same people for, you know, 75, 80 snaps or whatever it is. So I, I think there's a, there's a lot to do that. I think the, that goes to the problem, though, Bill, where the personnel's not there. <laughs> you know, Harson didn't go out and get the part personnel that he needed to, um, you know, in the offseason. So all of those things sort of work together, and I think it, it's worked together to a point now where, where Auburn's got a lot of questions and there really are no way, no answers out there. And that leads us – oh. That no, leads us to Saturday. But Barrett, ahead, I mean, do you do you really feel? I mean, maybe I'm too close to it, but when I look, I just don't think that Auburn is in the bottom three or four talent wise. I don't know that that one through eighty five, uh, Arkansas and Ole Miss and Mississippi State have that much more talent. I just think they're doing a much better job of utilizing what they have. And you know, we we've talked about Auburn wanting to try to run play action with that offensive line. You don't have time to run play action. You need to get the ball out quick, things like that. Well, there's no doubt about it, but I would say I'd push back and say they're pretty comfortable with Arkansas and Ole Miss from a personnel yeah. perspective. And they, those two teams are definitely executing better. So from a personnel perspective, bottom half of the SEC, I don't think there's any doubt um, that's where, where Auburn is. And there, there's no reason why that should happen. Like, there's, no, there's no reason and no explanation that, makes sense where you could say Auburn is just that far below, you know, the Georgias and Alabamas of this world. Barrett, we've seen Auburn seasons go south in the past, and, and usually there's a warning sign or two, and then things start to roll downhill. I, I think that if, if Auburn were to lose to Missouri on Saturday, Penn State was uh, you know more than a warning sign, and, and then you know the, a loss Saturday could potentially spell uh, the end of, of the Brian Harson era. What, what, what kind of chance 
do you give Missouri uh, this Saturday of coming to Jordan-Hare Stadium at 11 a.m. and capitalizing on what, what must have been a really deflating loss uh, for the Auburn program uh, this past weekend? I, I don't give it a, much of a chance because, I mean, Brady Cook is not that good. They can't run the football at all. Um, that their offensive line is less than stellar, and defensively, I don't trust them either. So if we're talking about teams that Auburn needs uh, to, to face after what happened against Penn State, then, then Missouri is, is the one outside of Vanderbilt that you point to. So if, but you're right. If they lose to Missouri, uh, this whole thing is done by Sunday. I mean, I just, that, is, that would be inexcusable. And I think that's the thing is, you know, if you lose to Penn State and it's close or whatever, okay, not ideal, but, you know, Penn State's a pretty good team. I think we saw that, and I think we all know that now. Missouri is not. And you can't get blown out by Penn State and then lose to a team that you are you should be significantly better than and keep your job. So, yeah, I think, I think Auburn will get the job done. I think it'll be about a 7-10 point game, but... You know, if that's the kind of game you're going to play, you know, one turnover could could switch things in a hurry, and uh, yeah, a loss would would be it for Harson. I don't think there's any doubt. Barrett, even with a win, even with a win over Missouri, what's it going to take though? Uh, what what kind of of something turnaround would it take for Brian Harson to to not be in danger of losing his job? Uh, beating Georgia. And then potentially beating Alabama. And that's the thing is, you know, if, if he loses one of the next two, Missouri and or, or LSU, there's no way that you can't fire him. Because the worst thing that could happen is if you're – if for the administration is him coaching himself back into the job with an upset win over Georgia, which I don't think anybody's going to happen. It's going to happen, but you know, if you're going to do it, you're going to – you need to do it before that possibility exists. And – so I think right now that's kind of where Auburn stands. Uh, and, you know, it's unfortunate for the program, unfortunate for that staff, but uh, they, they have to be better. And I think really all this can get traced back to the fact that really they have not put the effort into recruiting that, that they did. And it, and it was that way for an entire calendar year. All right, Barrett, before um, – well, we can talk a little bit about some of the other games, but before we move sure. on from Auburn uh, – finish the sentence and you can back off uh if if uh, you know you can change your mind between now and and anything happen if auburn moves on from brian harson the top candidate sh- should be blank well in my mind and for our purposes Dion, <laughs> just because i would love to see that but he would not put up with the chefs in the kitchen at auburn uh, i would say the top candidate should and will be lane kiffin because See, here's the thing. It's, I don't think the Auburn meddling is the problem. I think it's that the, the, the Auburn meddlers didn't get their guy. If you can find a way to have a coach take over a program like Nick Saban did and say, all right, everybody out. I know I'm your guy, but I have to do this my way. That's okay. Um, and, and I think Lane would do that. And I think his ego is a part of that. He, w- he would love to take on Nick Saban across the state. As a as, as a member of the Auburn coaching staff and have that rivalry a part of his his resume, and then he'd also like to be in that situation where when Nick when Nick retires, he has a chance to assert his school in this case Auburn as the best team in the West. So I would go after Lane. I I think the one 
the one thing you have to sort of work out is, you know, what does dealing with the political aspect of it entail? Because Brian Harson and the powers that be were on opposite sides to begin with. If the powers that be go out and get their guy, but then their guy says, I'm taking over, that might be okay if it's the right, if, if that coach, in this case, Lane Kiffin, can handle you know, the responsibilities that go with that. It, it's interesting you said, Dion. I'm, I'm totally on board for Lane Kiffin. I have no objection to it whatsoever. With, with Dion Sanders, see, I think one of the lessons of the Brian Harson era, if it ends soon, as it does seem like we, we all expect, one of the lessons is you got to know what you're getting into in major conference college football recruiting. It's fair to wonder if Deion Sanders does, as someone who's never coached at a college football powerhouse before. I've had someone tell me their two concerns, someone who's pretty smart about this stuff, tell me their two concerns about Auburn hiring Deion Sanders would be, one, will he jump to Florida State the moment he can? And two, (laughs) is he familiar enough with NCAA recruiting regulations? Because the NCAA is going to be watching whatever program hires Deion Sanders like a hawk. And so I, I wonder if those are legitimate concerns because the upside with Deion Sanders is, is the sky, right? I mean, there, there's no limit to, to what potentially could be there if he's really broken the code as far as recruiting. But uh, there, there are concerns as well, right, Barrett? Yeah, there's no doubt. But, but I think what we do know is that he can work the transfer portal. So, I mean, let's just say, let's just go down that road, right? Deion gets the blessing of the boosters and... The boosters let him do his thing, right? Then, okay, um, you have the ability to have a quick fix because there's no reason why Shadur Sanders wouldn't come with him. The rest of that recruiting class from uh, from this past year, uh, he will be very attractive to transfers. So the quick fix element's there. Dion would provide that. I, I think, though, major college football, the recruiting is significantly different than Jackson State. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Rich McGlynn's there for a reason. The compliance department's there for a reason. So I think that you could you could find a way to guide him along in terms of how you approach major college football recruiting, especially if you find the right staff, and I'm sure he would find the right staff. So in my mind, it makes sense. But I'm also not going to be the one dealing with him, and the boosters will be. And we know how like how how much control they like to have, and there's no way Dion would let w- would put up with some of that stuff. Nor should yeah. he, because yeah. he needs to run the program his way. Brief briefly yeah. on on two college football games this weekend. I know we're we're, right. t- we're tight for time. One. Florida Florida Tennessee. Florida's uh, won 14 of the last 15 in this series. They're a 10 point underdog in Knoxville. What do you think of that one, Barrett? Yeah, Tennessee is going to run them out of the building. You make it a shootout against Florida, you win big. And I think the secret about Tennessee is that their defense actually is pretty good, at least at creating havoc plays. So that's, that does not bode well for a Florida team that has a quarterback in Anthony Richardson who is not exactly uh, acute in the passing area. He has some issues in terms of uh, his, his uh, ability to complete passes on a consistent basis. Arkansas A&M in Arlington. Arkansas is going to roll. I mean, Texas A&M's offense was not fixed against Miami. And I think Arkansas can take the exact same plan that it did with that, that, that Appalachian State did against Texas A&M and just own the time of possession, run the football, and get out of there. Barrett, we are pressed for time. You were sensational as always today. Tell everybody how they can find you in all your various endeavors. Yeah, you can follow me on uh, all the social media uh, accounts at Barrett Salee and then download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ. 
Barrett Salee, folks. Follow him on social media, especially during uh, college football season. And CBS HQ is great, by the way. Check out CBS HQ, uh, however you can uh, access that fine uh, channel. We'll be back uh, to wrap up hour number one. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of hour number one here on the Monday edition of The Drive. Yeah, Bill, I'm off Urban Meyer. It's too evil. I can't do it. I was, you know, I was talking, I really, and I do think, I mean, I, I think it will, it will probably work at a place that's not completely finished as a program, you know, if, if you got the stomach for it. But there's the real risk of embarrassment, and right. it's a dirty business, right? Like, I mean, there, there's some... You know, I, I I don't know. Like, I just, I would, I, there are options I would prefer over Urban Meyer, including Lane Kiffin, who makes more and more sense the more people talk about it. And you wonder if, if that's, you know, in fact, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, so, you know, in case, in case Dr. Roberts was listening yesterday, I'm, uh, I'm backing off. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I gotta be careful to watch my knees. It, right. It but would I'm not be great. Yeah, it would be great to hire somebody who, you know, understands the SEC and recruiting in the SEC, you know? Uh, that that would be very nice. Well, and, and you know, like the question I just asked Barrett, I know we're, we're pressed for time, Bill, but isn't that one of the lasting lessons of of the Brian Harson experiment? Is that you really oh, yes. can't replace? No question about it. You, you can't replace experience at a superpower recruiting at a really high level up against the teams that are competing for national championships. Oh, I think absolutely so. I mean, uh, I, I don't think it has to be someone that has Auburn experience. But experience in this conference, I think it would, would be very, very important. Just knowing how important and, and how just um, and how tough it is to recruit and how much you have to continually be working at replenishing and, and getting your team as talent rich as possible. And name recognition is probably more important th- than ever before, too, right? Because if, if people are wondering who you are, you know, when you take the job, we've seen that work out. But we've also seen that, I mean, it's, it's, and I'm not saying just hire a celebrity, but it, it does seem like with recruiting being more and more part of the game, you, you need to be able to be able, you, you need a name that opens doors. And right. okay. I don't know if there are a couple of those out there potentially for a, a program that wants to win. We're going to talk with Jake Crane from Crane and Company in our number two. Love to hear from you, 334 321 1390. The number to dial. We'll be back. Stick around. ESPN 1067. WGZZ HD3 Waverly. And W294AR Auburn Opelika. I'm Christine Lisi. The defending Stanley Cup champion Avalanche re-signed star Nathan McKinnon to a new eight-year extension worth nearly $101 million. McKinnon, the top overall pick in 2013, played a critical role in Colorado's Cup-winning season. 
After two subpar performances by the offense, Steelers quarterback Mitch Trubisky says he's ready to open up the passing game, hopes he gets the call to do just that, adding he needs to get playmakers the ball, make better decisions, and be aggressive. It has been a rough go for Trubisky in both games this season, but he's not Pittsburgh's only problem offensively, notes ESPN's Dan Graziano. The hope is the line gets better as the season goes along, and they think it will. They can't run the ball right now. No. He's getting, Najee Harris getting tackled in the backfield before yeah. he even gets to the line. So that has to get better. So, yeah, you trust Mike Tomlin. Obviously, he, he's been through, well, not necessarily this, Ooh. but he's been through stuff before, and he knows how to coach his team through it. Dan Graziano on Get Up. Harrison Bader is set to make his Yankees debut tonight against the Pirates, batting seventh and playing center field. Bader, acquired on MLB trade deadline day, hasn't appeared in a big league game in almost three months because of plantar fasciitis. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits? And one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in hour number two of the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Bill Cameron. Joining us from home as he recuperates, Bill Ever the Trooper, still calling into the show, which we appreciate. Drew at the controls, as always. He's like Cal Ripken. Uh, you know, he's, he's always there. Love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. That is the Kia of Auburn hotline, brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn and KiaofAuburn.com, where you're always number one. Hour number two of The Drive brought to you by the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. You can text the show, 334-564-1840. That's The Drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. That's also the uh, sponsor of our podcast. If you missed yesterday's show with Brian Matthews from auburnsports.com, very lively uh, very lively edition of the drive following Auburn's loss to Penn State. We also talked with Auburn tight end John Samuel Schenker at the end of that, uh, at the end of yesterday's show as part of Tiger Takes, our usual Monday uh, interview. So I encourage you to find the drive podcast. However, you listen to podcasts, you can go to your favorite podcasting platform or go to the uh, podcast center on the ESPN 1067 tab at radioalabama.net to uh, find the podcast that way. But yeah, listen to yesterday's show if you missed it. A lot of opinions about the direction of the Auburn program. Love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll get more into, you know, Missouri analysis uh, later on in the show if there's time and, and certainly tomorrow uh, with Jason Caldwell. We'll talk more about uh, the the game this coming Saturday, but I'm sure a lot of people still have thoughts about what they saw this past Saturday and I'd love to uh, uh let the uh, let the phone lines get open. We got a couple calls hanging on, Bill. So let, let's uh let's get to uh to to the to the phones and Drew, let me see that uh we'll we'll, we'll see Drew. Drew, who's uh, who's first up, Drew? Uh, Coach Battle is, uh, is is first on the uh, on the show in hour number two. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing good, doing good, man. Just want just, just got a few things to say and want a couple questions to ask. Uh, truly, 
what do you guys your your true overview of Saturday football game against Penn State? Bill, you want to go first uh, with a brief overview of of Saturday's yeah. game? Saturday game, yeah. I mean, I, I want to get y'all feedback on. It. Did yeah, I, sorry you know? about that. I I was muted. Yeah, we talked about it a little yesterday, Coach. I mean, it's uh, this has been the one that everybody's been pointing to. This is the the concerning thing is Coach Harson had said, just watch. And you, you know, you'd been hoping that the first first couple of games, uh, especially San Jose State, was a situation of perhaps looking ahead. But I, I really didn't see. Um, it, it didn't appear the game plan really fit what Auburn could do best against Penn State with the pressure they were bringing up front. I felt that, uh, you know, T.J. Finley needed to be in a situation where it was more a two-minute style type offense if you're going to have him throwing the ball as much as Auburn did. They didn't really commit to running the ball as much as I thought they would against Penn State. And then, uh, you know, defensively, Auburn just had no answer for Penn State's running game, and they couldn't get any pressure. I was very disappointed, uh, quite frankly. Yeah, I did, too. I mean, the game plan that they had, it, it looked like that they had game plan for a, a totally different team. Right. Is what it looked. Right, now, and uh, I would add, Coach Battle, I, I would add that it does feel like offensively, uh, you know, one of my concerns is 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 the offensive line miscast for what Brian Harson and Eric Keesaw want to do, or what was stated as the goal going into the season being a power a power running offense that sets up out of the play action. You know, I think there have been some strange requests of T.J. Finley not to defend everything he's done all year, uh, but you know, I I don't know why he's ever under center to be completely honest with you it seems like it, it limits you know the, the advantage he has with his size and you ask him to take five step drops and seven se- uh, seven step drops like is that is that playing to his skill set and, and I have to ask because you have a coach in your name I'm gonna ask you when he when, when TJ Finley looks at the wrong end zone with the ball um is that is that something he's he's been coached to do to sell the play action is that instinct taking over because it's not a one-time occurrence, right, Bill? Like that's not something that's just happened once. No, where, right. Where you find it's usually play action. It's usually a play action where he'll fake the handoff and turn his back. And I felt like that—that's a really big disadvantage for TJ when the defensive line is right there as soon as he as soon as he turns back around. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the offensive line. I mean, you take Tate Johnson and and and, and take you know the kids came out of Callaway. He got he got two guys uh, just jailed together playing years together in, in, in high school. But the thing over there with, with Finley, uh, he, he, just, he never had looked comfortable, even when he was at LSU uh, to Auburn. Uh, that's just that's my take on him. Not that he's a bad quarterback, but it's just the system he in now. And he's so tall, for one, and that's my take of he. I would never put him on the center, for one. Uh, he's the type of quarterback that I would have to when he when he gets snapped, the ball got to come out of his hands. Exactly. That's what I want from him. Uh, if I got him to hold the ball more than two seconds, it's going to be a set play, something deep. I don't think he's able to go from from one you know from one season to the second read to the third read. He's not able to do that. And Ashford hadn't had enough time uh, up under center. Uh, to be able to do that too, so I think that how a lot of people get things kind of confused. Like, well, you know, Ashford need to go in and 
he's able to do. No, he hadn't had enough time either. Yeah. I mean, he's been out there on the West Coast, nothing against the Pac-12 net, you know, that conference, but it's not the SEC. Yeah, let, let me be clear. I mean, I mean, so so T.J. Finley is not Tom Brady, but no. if you're looking for an offense to emulate, if you're looking for something to steal to to emphasize his skill set, you know, think about the way the Patriots use Tom or the, the way the Buccaneers use Tom Brady. He's very rarely asked to get on the run. He's most, I mean, right. he's in a shotgun the overwhelming majority of the time, and usually the ball's out of his hands uh, pr- pretty yeah. quick, pretty quickly after the snap. Because they, they recognize the risk, you know that the risk increases with every second he's got the ball and the offensive line is being asked to pass block, and you run the risk of him taking a hit and something catastrophic happening. I think that's a pretty yeah. decent lesson to learn if you're going to use T.J. Finley, and for that matter, Zach Calzada as your quarterback, and especially with this Auburn team. I mean, you, you really you really want to try to line up with tight ends and fullbacks and run up the middle. Like, do you, do you like your chances yeah. of doing that in the SEC West? Nope. Do not. And, and the thing over there, and, and to leave y'all guys with this, to let y'all go. I know y'all got, you know, y'all busy, but the thing over there, I'm, I'm, this coming up Saturday, I've never felt uncertain about a game with Auburn. I always think we're going to win every game. But th- I can actually say this is one weekend that I'm worried. Um, yeah, I would think yeah. so. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried that we're not going to respond back to a big weekend on the Plains. And we out tailgating and having a great time and and and, and knowing that Missouri like to throw the ball and like to spread it around and I, I just feel uncomfortable about this this coming up Saturday. I uh, just want to leave you guys with that and, and, and hope it turns out well for us. But in the back of my mind, it's not I'm not comfortable with this weekend how it can turn out for us. I don't know how you could be comfortable. After what you saw this this past weekend, you need to see the team go play well before you're before you're comfortable again in in Auburn against a major conference opponent, especially with what was it, Bill, a five game losing streak now against major conference opposition. Against back to, Power Five team. To, yeah, yeah. I mean, and by the way, it's eighty it's eighty four to twenty eight. Auburn's been outscored in the second half of those last Power Five games. Appreciate the phone call, Coach Battle. Yeah, Auburn's last win over a Power Five opponent was Halloween against uh, Ole Miss. And you know uh, how many points Auburn game. scored in the second half of that one? That that's Three. where the yeah that's where I was gonna say that's where the streak yeah. started right where Auburn Auburn had a commanding lead in the in, in the first half and Ole Miss able to get some points on the board in the in, in the second even though Auburn still won that game three three four three two one thirteen ninety the number to dial hold up the board for me Drew as we get to John who's next up what's up John John you're on the air hello hello John are you there I am I'm sorry I was on the other another call I had to take real quick. Uh, I'm uh, from the Montgomery area, and uh, Doug Amos, listener primarily. It's the first time I've listened to y'all's show, and uh, I'm impressed. I had a question for you. Absolutely. We'll, we'll try our best. The show's better when Bill's in the studio, too, so I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're enjoying this. But, uh, but yeah, so, so uh, what's your question? I know we're uh, writing Harson's obituary a little bit early, and I hope he can turn it around, but I do truly believe that train has left the station at this point. So uh, I know we're talking about the big name people like Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze and a few other folks. But uh, let me, I mean, <clears throat> I don't have a problem with it. either one of those. Those are both outstanding offensive coaches. But just, uh, and uh, don't throw stones at me, but uh, just uh, what do y'all think about this uh, this coach? If Because uh, Auburn's always never came in with a big-time coach in the past, but uh, this guy's a uh, previous SEC player. Has ties to the Auburn community. Has uh, 
served under several high-profile coaches um, and is currently a coordinator, a co-coordinator in the league, and that's uh, Will Muschamp. I think I love Will personally, Mm. but Will has been fired at two schools, and I I just don't see I don't see that working. I think a lot of people, you know, he has got a lot of friends in the Auburn area, but I just don't see Will getting another opportunity at this level after after flaming out really at at Florida and South Carolina. Yeah, I I wonder if if Auburn were to look to the Georgia staff right now, I wonder if there'd be more people advocating for Del McGee or even or even uh, Coach Munkin. The offensive coordinator. I would think uh, over... Todd, Todd Munkin's more qualified to be a head coach than Dell McGee is. Dell yeah. Dell is known as a great recruiter, but uh, Dell, you know, Dell's been a high school head coach. That's it, right? And so, and so, I, yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think Will Muschamp's and and it's so. It does seem like it's so. Re- recruiting is so important in in this hire and head, the head coach having experience because there are names beyond the the, the blockbusters. Right, like like I, I admire Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina and what he's been able to do tremendously. I think it's it's remarkable what he's turned that program into, and he might be the future of offensive football. He might be on the cutting edge. I wonder what kind of players yep. he'd get if, if if he came if he came to Auburn and whether or not it would work simply because he, he can't get the talent. D- Dave Clawson. At Wake Forest, I mean, they won eleven games last year at Wake Forest. Uh, Niceville High School has more students than than Wake Forest, and they're winning. Uh, they, they were in the ACC championship game last year, and and he's been uh, just just watching his offense get better and better. Same question, you know, can can he get the players if if he if he were to yeah. get the job? Because you know, there's no question in my mind that that he can he can coach if if he's got uh, the kind of guys that can compete with the other side. Yeah, that, that's yeah, I was the just, thing. Like I, think, said, I can't I get think. a much champ out of my head because he's a proven recruiter and his resume is pristine. He just can't. He hasn't been successful as a head coach yet. But uh, I'll hang up and listen to y'all. I appreciate your uh, and enjoying the uh, program. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Appreciate keep, the call, John. Yeah, and, keep and, listening. But don't be know, a stranger. Do what? I said, John, don't be a stranger. You know, it's, it's oh, the yeah. first time calling. I was going to say, I, I've seen a lot of people commenting about Will. I mean, and Will still has a lot of friends here in the area. Um, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a fiery guy. He's a very good recruiter, but I, I would say that, you know, it, it's, he's gotten a couple of decent shots and he's brought in some talent and things just don't seem to, don't seem to quite work out. So I, I'd, I'd be really surprised. I would I'm, I'm, I'd, I wouldn't be shocked to hear his name mentioned, uh, you know, if, if Auburn indeed starts a search, but I'd be a little surprised if he winds up the guy. Here's what here's what I would say about Will Muschamp too. Before we before we get to the the next call and then take a break, would be if you hired someone who was and and again after Harson you wonder about this, but if you hired someone who was less familiar with the SEC and you wanted to build a team of high profile head coach and two high profile coordinators, maybe you could sell Will as the DC in a, no. in, a, in a situation why, why like would, that. Why would he leave his alma mater? Yeah, I know. It, I know. It's, it does seem like he's only leaving to to take a head coaching job, and you just wonder right. if, if, if it's going to be at, at a place like Auburn. Is Matt uh, next up? Is that is that right? Let's get, let's get to Matt. Who's who's next? What's up, Matt? Hey guys, I know you're uh, close to a break, but uh, just a few other names I've been thinking about. I want to get you guys. So cheating is legal now, so I don't understand why um, a Jeremy Pruitt or a Hugh Freeze is not. And not high on higher on the list, um, but other names I've, I've been thinking about is Matt Rule. He's turned around two programs. Um, he's not doing very successful in the NFL right now. Uh, Dan Mullen, maybe. Um, we either need to hire, in my mind, a offensive line coach or a defensive line because we need to do the exact opposite of what we 
should be doing. Mullen got, Mullen got do, fired because he didn't recruit is the only thing right. I would jump in there That's and say. Exactly like that. I, mean, right. I mean, Mullen's inability to recruit at Florida was a big reason why he got fired. And if if recruiting is one of the concerns going into this search, I think Mullen is an offensive coordinator for an experienced – like, I mean, if, you, if you're going – off the board, if Del McGee's your next head coach and you want someone who's been there for a really long time as the I, offensive coordinator, I, I could sell that. But as the head coach, I, I, I would have I would have real concerns about his I, recruiting. I feel like recruiting is more of the staff than the head coach. I really do feel that way. It's more of who well, the head coach than the head coach. You, you would you would think so, but you look at the guys, the relentless the head coaches that are closing, the always closing, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart. I mean, you're. I mean, those are the guys they that are just driven though. to recruit. They recruit Brian Kelly's themselves. another Once one like that. They make a brand that high and that well. They just recruit them. They're like Kentucky in basketball. They recruit themselves. Yeah, but you better. But but if your leader yeah, isn't driven but, like that, then they can slip but back. John, John, I mean, Calip, John Calipari recruits better than Billy Gillespie yes, and Tubby Smith did. I mean, right? So I mean, so even yep. even though Kentucky recruits itself, it's still. I mean, I mean, Al- Alabama recruits itself, but Nick Saban out recruits Mike Shula. Right, I mean, the results under Nick Saban have been better Kirby's than under the much previous. Better than Mark Ex- exactly. So, I mean, I, I do think it's you got to be careful about taking credit away from a coach by saying he's at a program that recruits itself. It's great. So you you definitely you, need strong recruiters throughout the staff, no doubt. What do you guys think about Matt Rule? Matt Rule's I think interesting. Matt Rule's really intriguing. Yeah, I mean, that, that's you a know. guy who it, it, I think as a head coach at a Power Five school, there'd be a little. Uh, there'd be, rel- I mean, not not relative. I mean, he was at Baylor, right? For was it a couple yeah. years? A couple years at Baylor, and I think look. He turned Temple and Baylor from absolute just, you know, the pits to uh, contending. And I've, you know, I, I always thought he was going to end up on the West Coast, but I think really highly of Dave Aranda if we're talking Baylor as well. Like I think, I think right. what he's done—that's not an easy place to win. And you know, before he and was he's at Baylor, been in the SEC, and he was a national champion defensive coordinator at LSU right. in 2019. All right, thanks, guys. Great stuff. Yeah, appreciate the phone call. Yeah, Matt. I mean, uh, and, and there's no telling. I mean, we don't we don't have the the list that might be looked at. You know when, when, and if Auburn makes a change, so that there's some really interesting names. We got Josh and Mark on the line. We got another call uh, com- coming through right now. So there's a lot to talk about. We're going to talk to Jake Crane at the bottom of the hour, but we're going to try to get to your calls when we come back. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to the Tuesday edition of the Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on the Drive. Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Hour number two of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Bill at the... Home studio uh, joining us digitally is Bill back. Is that what you were saying? All right, Bill, we got we got Bill back. Got a full bank of calls, and we will uh, try to get to all of you before we take our bottom of the hour break and talk to Jake Crane. I believe Josh is first up. Is that right, Drew? Josh is first. You're on the air, Josh. Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing all right. Good to hear from you. Hey, yes, sir. Um, I just wanted to start out with a couple things. First off, I want to agree with uh, what uh, the coach, Coach Battle, was talking about with uh, – Y'all were discussing, like, yeah, like, um, I feel like with the press conference, um, you know, uh, Coach Harson used the word, like, execution. And I felt like that was a little bit of, like, uh, taking the easy way out. Like, because, I mean, you can talk about the players didn't execute, but the game plan was terrible. I mean, your offensive line, you know they're not very good up front. 
and you could tell that they were just getting beat. And you're asking them to execute something that's not working. Um, I think if you did more of a quick pass game, then you know they might be able to execute better because you're putting them in a better situation. I mean, sometimes as a coach, you can talk about you're not executing the plan, but the plan could just be completely just unreasonable. Um, but then secondly, I just wanted to end it with this, guys. Um, you know, everybody's throwing names out. Um, I do think Harson's on his way out regardless of whatever happens. Um, but, um, you know, top of my list is Lane Kiffin. Um, I think you should put all your eggs, try to go get him. Um, I say I just love Lane Kiffin offensively. I feel like he's matured a lot. He's really just, you know, cleaned up everything as far as all the stuff he did, like Tennessee and USC. Um, but I just wanted to get y'all's thoughts on both of those things. Y'all have a good day, guys. Absolutely. No, no. I think it's uh, it's fair. The word I used was miscast earlier as far as, you know, is, is the offensive line and, and even beyond the offensive line, some of the other blockers, you know, are they miscast trying to do what, what Auburn is you know, seemingly asking them to do, especially on first down? Uh, against uh, against good defenses, and, and you wonder if there could be more success trying something else. You know, and, and again, you wonder what we could see on Saturday because it might not be TJ Finley. Um, there's a there's a story out. I sent it to you, Bill. Uh, speaking of TJ Finley, uh, regarding uh, social media and and maybe oh yeah, uh, I saw that earlier. Yeah, the, we, him retweeting the uh, the stats. Auburn Auburn had the most pressure, the fourth most pressure of any SEC school over the last five years this past uh, Saturday, and. And TJ retweeted that today. Yeah, TJ retweeted something that that's you know you can you can interpret as an explanation of why the quarterback didn't play well, a shifting of some of the blame to the offensive line. It's you know it's it's not the most reassuring thing when you think about team chemistry uh, that that stuff like that's leaking out over social media uh, after a loss. But um, you know we'll we'll see we'll, we'll see what you know what TJ's future is and. Uh, and, and what the offense looks like uh, moving forward uh, this year. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The number to dial. Next up is Mark on the line. What's up, Mark? How you doing, guys? Doing all right. Hey, Good to hear from you. Hey, uh, you know, I saw several things. Number one is I don't think we had any. I think we needed somebody to stand up and have some gut Saturday, and that means coaches, players, and everybody. Uh, there were no adjustments made. I mean, I was sitting in my recliner watching the game and knew exactly where they were going to run the ball. I mean, they were running that counter all day long, and I did not see one adjustment to try to stop it. Um, you know, it's not going to matter what coach we get. I like Harson. You know, I don't think he's the right mix for Auburn. But as long as we have the dysfunctional boosters and board of trustees that we have, it ain't going to matter who you get. It's it's just the family is just broken right now, and it needs to be fixed. Uh, Pat Dye came in and had the same type situation, and he was able to bring them back together. Now, of course, that's when he was athletic director and the coach, you know, later the athletic director. But last week when you had you guys interviewed John Samuel Schinker, and uh, you were talking about the San Jose State game, and he made the comment that, yeah, we probably took San Jose State kind of lightly. Is he a captain? Yes. Yes, he is one of the – yeah, he's, he's the, he's the offensive okay. captain, yeah. So is it not his role to make sure things – that one of his roles is to make sure things are not taken lightly? 
Sure, and, and I think and he I took, like he took him. Some... Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, but you know. And, and if I recall that correctly, I think he was trying to take some of the responsibility for for the team not taking San Jose State lightly. But at the same time, no, you're, you're right. That is it's a fair thing to uh, you know to, to wonder about is is you know after a game like that, you know where's the leadership on this team? And exactly. That, and and, that, and that'll come through the rest of the season. You know wh- whether it's there and whether it's enough. Yeah, and I, I just think somebody needs to stand up, you know, and I use the word guts. I'm not – those guys, you know, they're out there giving it all every day. Uh, they're sweating, losing blood, tears, everything on the field. But uh, at some point, you got to man up and just be better than the guy across the line from you. And I sometimes I don't see that from the coaches, and I don't see it from the players. I just think that, you know – and again, all respect to the players because they're out there doing something they don't have to do. But uh, that's just, you know, and that even goes to the boosters, like I said. So I just think we need change from top to bottom, and it needs to be a mindset change, not just a physical coaching change, player change, or whatever. It, we need to change the mindset at Auburn. You know, no, I, don't I think, hear. and I think people would agree for. The, I mean, with with aspects of that. I mean, Auburn did change presidents in the, in the last uh, in the last year. We appreciate the phone call, uh, Josh, and uh, and and there's also I think the uh, the, the belief that um uh, that that with uh, you know with, with with a new coach or or a or a you know if you if you decide to continue this regime, you know it's it's either get new players or get a new uh, get a new play caller, right? It, it's 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 one or the other, and it, it, it's up or out. In college football, and so uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I would not agree with the notion that it won't matter who's coaching the team, uh, because especially uh, with with the with the amount that the head coach plays a role in uh, what kind of roster you have in, uh, in in college football. That's not to say other changes don't need to be made, but it's it's the head coach steering the ship, and uh, for for better uh, or for worse. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Let's get to Millhouse before we take our bottom of the hour break. Millhouse, what's up? I didn't know. Uh... I've just got in the car, headed home from work, and I have a little few inside information, but I'll try to get here, is uh, Charles Kelly, who played for Coach Dye and is now DB coach and assistant or co-defensive coordinator at Alabama. I didn't know if anybody had thrown that name out, but uh, I've heard rumblings that that's someone that they would definitely like to talk to and want to get y'all's take on that. Yeah, I've heard his name. I mean, I've seen his name mentioned a couple of times, Millhouse. Um, I just uh, – and I, and I know he has plenty of contacts. He's a, He's been a very good recruiter. Was at Florida State before he was at Alabama. Um, he's from Dothan, isn't he? I, I believe so. We're, we're right up against a break, Millhouse. Sorry, sorry to cut your short uh, – your, your call short. You know, we, we do have – but no, to Millhouse's point, uh, no one had mentioned uh, Charles Kelly on the show uh, thus far. And that's somebody with deep ties to the state, you know, get, dating back to uh, – To he's, Auburn, he's, yes. Yeah, I mean, he, he, yeah, he played at Auburn and then was coaching at Central uh, immediately following his Auburn career and has been a, a coach uh, ever since around the Southeast, Jacksonville State, Georgia Tech, Florida State. Uh, he was head coach at uh, well, he was he was, he was a coach at Ufala, uh for a little while there on, on the resume. So yeah, that's, that's a guy certainly with a uh, with, with strong ties to the area. Uh, we're we're going to take a break and come back with Jake Crane from Crane and Company. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Drive. Now more of the Drive. The Drive. 
with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Hour number two of the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Bill Cameron working from home as he recuperates. Drew at the controls. Love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. But we are going to take a break from your calls. A lot of opinions out there about the direction of the Auburn football program and what folks saw on Saturday in the big Auburn versus Penn State game because we're going to uh, take an outgoing call here as we uh, as we bring in uh, one of our favorites, uh, Jake Crane from the Runaway Smash Hit Crane and Company. Uh, was it? Is it a podcast and a and a and a morning radio show now? Jake, you're on the uh, you're, you're you're on the more conventional. Uh, you're, you're you're coming you're coming back to to, to, direct, to to terrestrial radio as well. Man, it's it's on like everything. That's I mean, right. I'm not a technological person by any stretch. But I mean, it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff. Uh, YouTube, Crane and Company. I um, mean, you can you can find it basically anywhere. DailyWire.com. Yeah, we go live from six thirty to eight central every uh, weekday morning. And yeah, there's uh, a lot to talk about. It uh, wasn't exactly a great situation Saturday. I punched a couple of numbers in, and my microwave started playing uh, Crane and Company. You guys are you guys are absolutely everywhere. <laughs> At the moment, and and with good reason, as you do a great job. Well, I'm, glad, and, I'm glad to see our microwave campaign's paying off. That that's right, that's right. Well, I shouldn't stick my head in there either. But but the um so so <laughs> so uh, although speaking of which, Saturday Auburn and Penn State, uh, the uh the, you know a, a really a, a, a shocking second half. How how uncompetitive that game was, but but really something that uh, you know I, I think some folks thought uh, was 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 there, especially if you, if you had a a, a difficult game for Auburn. Jake, your read on what happened Saturday in Jordan-Hare Stadium. You know, Dan, I, I grew up in Auburn. Uh, obviously, my father played there, coached there. I've seen, I've watched Auburn play every game since I can remember being able to watch TV outside of when I was having the coach, and then I'd watch the replays of it. I've seen Auburn lose games in, in devastating fashion. I've seen Auburn make mistakes. I've seen Auburn blow leads. I've never seen Auburn, especially at home, be outclassed like that. Be out-efforted, out-personnel, out-coached, and and out, you know, everything. Auburn right now, that that team, that product that was on the field, was one of the worst I have ever seen in my life at Auburn. Embarrassing does not even begin to explain it. And people will try and make excuses. I'm going to tell you right now, unless Brian Harson knows magic, legitimate magic, Harry Potter magic, I don't see a way in which outside of maybe Missouri, Auburn wins an SEC game. Tank Bigsby's a really good player. Jarquez Hunter's a really good player. There's a couple on defense. That team with that coaching staff was as bad as I've ever seen it. I wasn't alive during the Barfield era. I don't know how that was. That was the worst I've ever seen, Dan. It's just the truth. And with that, I guess I'd be interested to know, you know, especially in a changing era of college football, it's it's just year two for Brian Harson. But at the same time, the options to change your roster 
are there in ways that they weren't before. How much of a team looking the way they did in year two are you ready to put at Brian Harson's feet versus uh, you know other other factors, the previous administration, the coordinators, et cetera? Well, you you brought up the transfer portal, and and I know it wasn't. That's now Don left Auburn with a bad offensive line, but he didn't leave Auburn with that. You had chances in the transfer portal when there were so many quarterbacks in the transfer portal to go get somebody. Look at Michael Penix Jr. at Washington. Hell, look at Max Johnson at A&M, Keaton Slovis, Jackson Dart. I can go down the list. And you went and got Zach Calzada and got no offensive lineman from the portal. None. And that offensive line, and like I said during the offseason, this offensive line is going to be bad. I didn't realize it was that bad, but it wasn't just them. Auburn's roster is as bad as I've ever seen it, and you did nothing to help it. You can, people will say, oh, well, you know, it is year two. Well, at least in year two with a free-for-all in the transfer portal, you should have been able to plug up some holes of the ship. Then they'll say, oh, well, the boosters did this and the boosters did that. Well, after watching what I just watched, has anybody for a second thought, maybe the boosters were right. Maybe they were right. Maybe Brian Harsin could uh, think about it, Dan. Name one game that Brian Harson has been in Auburn where Auburn has made good adjustments, where Auburn has won a halftime going in. Like I said, I knew the players weren't going to be great, but Auburn does not adjust well. You can't have bad players and not be able to adjust, and that's where Auburn is right now. I don't think Brian Harson's going to make it through the season. I'll be surprised if they meet Missouri, beat Missouri, who's a bad team. Who is a if they lose to Missouri? I don't know if he makes it to the next week. But you oh, have to oh, go Jake, to Jake, if he doesn't, oh, if he Dan, doesn't beat Missouri, he doesn't make it to the post game press conference. Okay, like I no, think no, you're you, right. you don't, you don't right. let, you don't let that coach in all seriousness. That sounds like a joke. Like you know, I'm not saying it's like a, a USC, you know, Lane Kiffin. No, no, in all seriousness, if 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 Auburn win, if Auburn were to lose to Missouri on Saturday, you, you don't, you don't let Brian Harson address the media. Following the game, no, no, I, I agree. Dan, yeah. you gave you gave Tank Bigsby the ball nine times, nine times. You don't have to be Sean McVay to realize how baffling that is. It TJ Finley and I know they were in different ways had the same amount of carries as Tank Bigsby. That is malpractice. That is malpractice. If he was a doctor, he'd be. They would sue him for that but like it's that bad but it's not just that it's everything you're getting murdered in recruiting right now it's an absolute joke it auburn the separation between auburn and auburn and georgia and auburn and bama gets wider by the day every day that brian harson stays at auburn is a day where auburn gets further away from georgia and alabama and you've got to go get somebody that can do it dan and there's uh, there's only a few people there Auburn needs to go get Hugh Freeze right now. That's who they need to go get. How, I know he's made mistakes, but people make mistakes. How, do you want to win? How bad do you want to win? Because there's only a couple guys that can do it. One of them has the last name Meyer. So at some point, Auburn has got to make the decision to give full control to somebody because it's hit rock bottom. Bama hit rock bottom before they gave Nick Saban full control. Texas still hasn't done it. Is Auburn going to be smart enough to just let somebody do it and get out of their own way? 
It just it needs to happen, and it needs to happen now. Our Auburn is in big trouble for a while. Bill, yeah, can you guys hear me? You you are back on. Yes. Yeah, I, I was gonna. There were a couple of things I was saying. Yeah, uh, just before you were born, the Doug Barfield days. That's what I was talking about earlier yesterday. I mean, the closest thing I could remember to Saturday was 1980 against Tennessee, and we were talking, um, Jake. We were talking about the the lack of adjustments and how Auburn's just been dominated in second halves throughout Brian Harson's time here. That's you know, and and you, so you couldn't blame. If you blamed last year's coordinators, it's happening again this year. Oh, well, what's the common denominator? And, Bill, you've watched a lot of Auburn games. You've watched a lot of them. That, to me, at home, named – I mean, that's the worst I've ever seen it. And I watched Gene Chizik and them have a horrible team in 2012. But guess what? You brought Gus Malzahn in. A lot of core, core pieces on that team – was able to get to the national championship game in 2013. There may not be but four or five guys on this roster that if there is a new head coach, actually stay on the core of this team. That It's the worst personnel mixed with coaching I've ever seen at Auburn. But, you know, the thing is, these days you can turn things around. Look look at how bad Arkansas was when Sam Pittman got there. Yep. So, it's, so it's not yep. the same as – in the past, before the transfer portal was available for you to be able to pull in players. So it's not like, you know, I've had some people go, well, now it's so bad, you're just going to have to let things ride for the next three or four years. God, no, if you do that, what? then you will be no, no, so no. deep in the hole. Yeah, you, know, you, know, you know who those people are? Those people are the ones playing the violin as the Titanic sings instead of going to get a lifeboat. You, This has got to stop now. Like you, Even if you beat Missouri, what is going to happen – LSU, there's a, I, don't, I don't see how Auburn scores more than 17 points against LSU, and Jaden Daniels is athletic enough to throw a 24-piece up in Jordan-Hare. But it's, it's as bad as – and I hate it. I hate it. I got friends on the staff, and I hate to say it. But at the end of the day, you look in over your head, and, Bill, you had the transfer portal last year. Uh, the thing about Sam Pittman, what did he do? Went into Arkansas, they brought in some transfers, still kept their identity. Auburn got no, no offensive linemen. You got – Zach Calzada out of the quarterback, or out of the portal at quarterback, and you 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 don't have a receiver outside of maybe a couple that can even make a play, let alone get separation. It's going to get worse before it gets better. The longer Brian Harson is at Auburn, and you got his family complaining about Auburn fans. Well, how about this? You knew what you signed up for. If it's too hot in the kitchen, we're paying y'all out of out of the yin yang. Take the money and go work on cars or something. I'm sick of the complaining. I'm sick of the excuses. I'm sick of the strength and conditioning videos where you show tank and then give him the ball nine times. You can't play. You can't coach. You can't win. You can't be here. Talking with Jake Crane from Crane and Company, who's got some thoughts on the uh, direction of the Auburn program. And I'm, I'm Jake. I'm, I mean, I think you're a little more enthusiastic about Hugh Freeze, but but other than that, I don't know how much I disagree uh, with with what you're saying. And you know, another coach. Yeah, you haven't mentioned him yet, but another example of. I mean, you can't just go into year two with a pat hand and expect it to be okay and for folks to be patient. I mean, I watched USC football last year. The notion that they would be close to being a playoff team or a team that, that was among the, the, the more talented teams in college football, it would have been a pipe dream, except that they went and got the right guy, and he injected that team with talent at key positions. And it's not the same situation, but 
the game is different. And, you know, maybe the first year you can, you can blame what you inherited on the previous administration. But after year one, I mean, that, that's on you and your ability to, to improve yeah. your roster. Look, you've, in today's world, you've had time to at least, you know what? If Auburn would have played well and lost by a touchdown or Sean Clifford makes a crazy play at the end and they kick a field goal to win, that, that's something else. Auburn lost in every aspect of that game. I feel bad for the fans. I feel bad for the people, especially with as bad as the economy is, that had to pay money to go watch that performance. It's embarrassing. I've heard from so many former Auburn players that are so embarrassed by the group that was out there last Saturday and, and the coaching staff that they can't even believe what they're looking at. They can't believe And you know what? When Harson got hired, he was Auburn's third or fourth option. I get it. Now all of a sudden, Alan Green looks like a genius now. Alan Green looks like a genius. Everybody, oh, Alan Green's gone. Oh, no, Auburn, what a terrible place. Well, okay, let's look at it. He hired Bruce Pearl? No. He hired Butch Thompson? No. Who he who did he hire that's had any success? His football coach is the biggest flop in Auburn history. Like, at what point will Auburn just get out of their own way? You, you've got another shot this time. You've got another chance. We'll see what they do. And a new and a new president, you know, probably spearheading that search. If, if, clean if, yeah. the house. Yeah. I mean, clean that's... the house. Get them out. Get somebody in here that is just like, you know what? I don't care if you went to Urban Meyer and said, we'll give you all the money we have and you'll have full control. I don't care about your past. I guarantee you he'd win. The first time he wins nine or ten games in the first two or three years, everybody forget about all the other stuff. It's amazing how that happens. Hugh Freeze comes in here and starts winning. It's amazing you forget about all the other stuff. Bruce Pearl came in. Auburn caught hell for that. I know they're different situations. Bruce Pearl takes Auburn to the Final Four. That man could run for mayor and win by a landslide. So I don't want to hear anything about, oh, Hugh Freeze this, Urban Meyer that. you want to win or you want to get pants by Bama and Georgia forever? Because right now where Auburn is, it's in the cellar, and you need somebody that can come in and flip the switch. So we'll see what they do. But it's, that's, that product is embarrassing. It's, embarrass, it's embarrassing to talk about it. That's how bad it was. you got quarterbacks out there getting arrested on scooters that can't even play. It's amazing. We've uh, we've got a Missouri game on Saturday, 11 a.m. Jordan Hare Stadium could be a, a, a pretty important game uh, for Auburn uh, moving pretty? forward. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Jake, what can you tell us about Missouri and the team Auburn's going to face uh, Saturday morning? Well, they're bad enough. We got a shot. Um, you know, the quarterback position, the Brady Cook kid, is a dual threat. He can extend the play on the outside. They're not unbelievably explosive. They're better on defense than they were last year, but that's not saying anything. They were awful on defense last year. They don't have a ton of depth. Eli's going to try and come in here and out-formation Auburn to death, which Penn State did for about four quarters in the last game. If you look, hell, Parker Washington motioned one time and Auburn's in man, and they don't even switch it off. Thank goodness Sean Clifford didn't see him. Gary Danielson and them about had a stroke up in the booth. It was so bad. So, look, Missouri's not a great team. Auburn's not a great team. Who's going to turn the ball over more? Who can score touchdowns in the red zone and kick field goals? But I don't know. At this point, the best thing for Auburn may be to lose so a change can be made. I hate to say that, but, you know, women lie, men lie, numbers don't lie. Jake, great stuff as always. Let everybody know what you got coming up and how they can find it. Yeah, well, you can find us on Crane & Company. It's C-R-A-I-N and Company. Uh, just go to YouTube. It's really easy. Uh, sub there. We're talking everything. Uh, got some big guests coming on as well. Talking college football and when the Auburn coaching search happens, 
check us out. We were right last time, so we'll see what happens this time. Appreciate it, guys. Absolutely, Jake. Good to, uh, good to talk to you, Jake Crane from Crane & Company. We will take a break. We will be back to wrap things up. The Tuesday edition of The Drive. Stick around. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of the show. Dan Peck in the studio. Drew at the controls. Bill Cameron joining us digitally. Outstanding work from our guests, uh, Jake Crane in the previous segment, and then Barrett Salee in hour number one. Worth uh, checking out the podcast presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Wherever you get your podcasts, just search for The Drive with Bill Cameron on your favorite podcasting platform or go to RadioAlabama.net and check out the podcast center at the ESPN 1067 tab. All presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Bill any uh, any takeaway from uh, uh, well, from the, uh, from the can of gasoline uh, Jake Crane just uh, poured all it, it, over it, everything? Yeah, Jake just had a little passion, <laughs> and uh, you know you had a little feeling in that. Yeah, that was uh, he pretty much torched everything. We did uh, get some news that appears there during the break. Seen a couple of uh, couple of tweets that T.J. Finley one says might not Tom Green of AL dot com says he is definitely out Saturday. Uh, he had been spotted on campus with his shoulder in a sling uh, i mentioned that that you could see him favoring his shoulder after he was nearly tackled in the end zone when auburn decided to throw the ball from the three yard line at the end of the first half that's right and uh, and now you've got yeah several people out there thomas green is uh, credited with it first uh but but yeah i would not expect tj finley uh to play on saturday uh i believe it was ben uh was it uh, durando uh, yeah point- ben durando pointing out that yesterday brian harson said he was healthy and also sort of uh uh, jumped back at someone who questioned the health of Zach Calzada, who I'm not sure is healthy either. Right, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was yesterday that yeah Brian Harson insisted that T.J. Finley was healthy, and and there are reports that T.J. is in fact uh, wearing a sling and will not play on Saturday. But uh, uh, nevertheless, uh, Auburn uh, will uh, will yeah we'll see what Auburn does at quarterback with uh, with uh, with Missouri on the schedule. I would, I mean, maybe they go with Robbie for the entire game. It it would. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I'd be a little surprised to see that. Would you, Bill? Well, I think you better have somebody else ready. But, I mean, yeah, I guess you could go with Robbie the entire game. I mean, he's he's the only other guy that's taking a snap. But be, be prepared to see a lot of Robbie Ashford. Better be prepared to see a lot of moving pocket on Saturday. Yeah, and, and I wonder, you know, we've, we've had people ask about Holden Gurner. You know, I, I don't know if, if there's any real... Uh, if there's any real intention of playing him uh, this year, but with TJ Finley you better out, be ready. With TJ Finley out and the offense struggling, uh, you know we're we're back to what we said last week: all hands on deck. If they think it can help, uh, they're in no position. I mean, the boat's taken on water right now, and anything you could do uh, to lighten the load and 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 keep the thing afloat uh, could be uh, could be considered as a real option. You know, uh, this this is a uh, it, it, another another fast paced show. Appreciate the calls. Uh, we're we're going to talk with Jason Caldwell from inside the Auburn Tigers tomorrow. And uh, I know Jason's got some thoughts on what he saw on Saturday, Bill. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to talking to Jason. I probably won't be in the studio tomorrow, but uh, hopefully Thursday. Absolutely. Well, we'll hey, take it easy, Bill. Take all the time you need. Again, remember, I'm not your boss when I say that. 
Uh, but but take all oh, the time. Yeah, I, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, take all the time you need. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's easy to easy to forget. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll talk tomorrow. Uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the rest of your night, everybody. Good night.